Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have a special treat for you today. We have a new house band with a new dimension in rock and roll. We have the one... The only Dragon Sound! Hi guys, welcome to A New Winter, Colts and Culture, and today with me is Dan, Dreadful Dan. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Um, I'm not Dreadful Dan today. Um, I think for the purposes of this discussion about film, I'm going to go by the moniker Silver Screen Dan G. (laughs) (laughs) Only talking about films for old people. The silver screen. Okay. Um, yeah, because today we're talking about uh, a film. We're talking about a film called Miami Connection. Um, and yeah, you said that you'd heard of this film before you watched it. Is that right? Yes. Um, I remember it from a few years ago because um, there's a cinema in London called the Prince Charles, which kind of does screenings of old films and some like cult classics and things. And I think there was a bit of a bit of a bit of press around like this film been discovered maybe it'd been lost and they were doing some um screenings yeah that's right so um yeah i'll I'll touch upon that a bit later uh but for people who don't know um miami connection uh was made in 1987 by yk kim um who is uh, i just love this film so much so he yeah he produced it he wrote it he stars in it He's also, you may notice, he's the um, Korean guy who looks about 50. Yeah. <laughs> Guess which one he is when you watch the film. Um, yeah, the small small Asian 50-year-old who goes to high school. Um, apparently, he'd only watched six films before he made this. <laughs> oh, my God, I didn't know that. That's what he said. That's what he said. What the hell kind of credentials did he have when he went to the producers? <laughs> well, I'll touch, I'll touch upon this story a bit, <laughs> a bit later. But yeah, I'd really like to know what those six films are. If you had to, what would you say 
Yeah. What would you say are the six films that he watched going into this? Um, I think maybe he watched Scarface six times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then combined Possibly. it with his love of 1980s soft rock. <laughs> or soft rock, as it was known back then. Um, obviously, kung fu, some kind of kung fu films. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe he's gone, right, I've seen Scarface, Enter the Dragon, maybe some inspirational 1980s um, film about a band that makes it. Yeah, and he's just like mushed them up together, and it's got to be some high school stuff there, some kind of Breakfast Club. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of John Hughes thing going on. Um, yeah, it's a real heady brew, actually, of some of the <laughs> more popular genres of the uh, day. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it'd be interesting to know what they were. Um, unsurprisingly, uh, and I'll come on to this as I said a bit later. It was an absolute flop. <laughs> But I have to say, it's I've watched it three times before this, and it is each time I watch it, I love it a little bit more. And that's saying something because the first time I watched it, I was obsessed with it. <laughs> I've actually got a um, so the name of the band that they're in in the thing is Dragon Sound, and I've actually got a t-shirt. No, a Dragon Sound t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, when did you first see it? I first saw it um, about about three years ago actually as well but it was at um my mate did a little film day and some and it's one of those things where you can kind of pop in and pop out and it's just in his living room yeah um and i went down and uh yeah he he put this on and i I kind of had read a little bit about it before going in just for just because to see what the films were about they were showing and i saw the trailer and i was like this looks fucking amazing so i made sure (laughs) i was there to see it and um yeah I was blown away. I was blown away by not only how it was so ridiculous, but also because it was so fun. It was relentless. Yeah. It was so stupid. And, to, <laughs> and it just had so many different aspects of it that um, I just thought this was great. And by the end of it, I genuinely was like, I could sit and watch that all over again. <laughs> so it was I, um, ridiculous. Yeah, I kind of felt the same way, actually. It's such an audacious conceit like the idea of the film um it's so ridiculous but at the same time it's then sort of executed in the same way in in a way that's ridiculous tons of energy and i i suppose that's part of the um you know the benefit of having a project so totally owned by one person Mm. it's bonkers and it's been made in a bonkers way (laughs) and so it all kind of translates and works yeah, it's uh, it's incredible. So I'm, I recommend people do go out and watch it. But um, I'm going to talk about the plot here and it's and what happens because it really for, I had to write it down as I was watching it to make sense of what was actually happening because it, it gets really confused. They try and throw so much stuff into that. I say they he <laughs> tries to throw so much stuff into it. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to, um, it starts with literally like, I think, I believe it actually says somewhere in Miami. <laughs> so it's, not even, it's not even a location. So you just know it's somewhere in Miami. And basically there's a bunch of guys um, with Uzis and they're like, you know, it looks like there's a drug deal going out and some suits turn up, you know, a deal is about to go down. 
And this is like classic 80s. Everyone looks 80s. They've got this real, you know, um, ridiculous OTT um, uh, fashion sense (laughs) that kind of resonates throughout the entire film. That's some great hairstyles. (laughs) Yeah, it's brilliant. And just literally their outfits. And sometimes it's like what they're not wearing, like what they've decided to (laughs) expose. (laughs) It's just so weird. And then... Oh, this is great. So this is even, this is like five seconds into the film. Ninjas on motorcycles. <laughs> <laughs> and then it um and then it cuts away to this like a really in in or conspicuous whatever, white ninja. So completely <laughs> it's all like dark and he's wearing white, but you know, okay, he's the leader or whatever, but surely that's going against the whole point trying to be like secret. Yeah. Um and yeah, and then it's got a classic kind of action movie, you know, some cocaine is uncovered. This guy takes a taste of it and nods like, you you know, good stuff, whatever. No one said anything yet. And then the ninjas attack and they slaughter them. And they're all like <laughs> doing this thing where they just keep like poking their head out all the time, like a whack-a-mole. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, it's, so, it's so weird. So at first you're like, okay, there's some bad guys. The ninjas are the good guys. And they've, you know, got the drugs and they steal the coke, they escape. And then it cuts to this scene where they've like all returned back to HQ. And the white white ninja is annoyed because they got the coke and not the money. And like, he literally says like, you know, where's the money? And they're like, all looking at each other, like, (laughs) uh, (laughs) you know, who who got the money? Then he's like, actually, I got it. Uh, what what a card yeah make no more mistakes it's like was that a lesson (laughs) no so let me get straight they went in killed everyone and took the drugs and forgot the money and then you took the money anyway so they're probably all looking at each other going i thought he got the money (laughs) didn't didn't he take take the money i saw him take it oh i've got the money yeah we know we saw you (laughs) we saw you take it because you're the only person in white um yeah, so that's weird. So it opens out on that really weird scene. And then you have the actual intro, the title sequence, and you see this band playing um, while the motorcycle ninjas are now unmasked, riding down the road. Um, and, yeah, and this is your first look at Dragon Sound, who are our heroes, uh, heroes of the film. And... Um, yeah, now we're in Orlando, apparently, and uh, this the ninja bikers turn up. The leader, who's this really like old Korean guy, I'm guessing again, um, talks to Jeff. Now Jeff is the other bad guy. He's like the you know um, the the leader of the non ninja bad guys. The leader of the the kind of like thuggish gang, and they go to see the band play at this club, and they're playing. Um, now this is this is friends forever they're playing and this has to be one of the best songs ever written <laughs> ever this was is, killer an absolute killer tune what was lovely about these scenes of the band performing in the club was that they went on and on and on they didn't just give a little flavor of the song it's the whole song the whole fucking song <laughs> <laughs> like about five minutes <laughs> yeah but it's worth it. Like, literally, like, if they'd cut that song any sooner, I'd been like, oh, I wish they'd yeah. played the whole thing. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, and I'm going to play the song for you now, a little taste of the song, because it is so good. Um, have a listen. friends forever and randomly there was a um so for the game far cry 3 there was a a a dlc attached to it and i think it was also a standalone game in its in its own right you didn't have to have the far cry 3 game to play it but it was called blood dragon and it riffed on a lot of 80s um b-movie stuff and and the main character in it is michael bine who's you know, in Terminator, he's Reese in Terminator, he's in Aliens, you know, people know who he is. Um, and the, I think Power Glove did the soundtrack for it. I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's Power Glove. And they basically remastered and re-released this song. So there's a very clean, um, high quality version of it out there. And I did actually go to listen to it recently and it's not on Spotify anymore, um, but you will, you should be able to find it. But yeah, it was part of that soundtrack for that game. Um, and I didn't realize that at the time till afterwards. Um, and yeah, it comes from, comes from this film. It's a, this amazing work of art. Um, what I also love is that at that gig, the, everyone's clapping out of time. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's having a great time though. I mean, that club looks really cool. You just want to be there. And um, it's so funny because, like, they clearly, especially like YK Kim, whoever his name is, um, they clearly don't know how to play the instruments. And what? Whilst they're, play- whilst they're playing. I saw them playing them. I heard their rocking grooves. What are you talking like, about? At one point, the main guy, YK Kim, hasn't even got his guitar on. <laughs> He's holding the guitar strap isn't around his neck. He's just holding the guitar. He's just moving it around. So, hang on. Are you telling me these actors aren't trained musicians? Well, no, actually. So the main the main guy, you know, the guy with the moustache and the little afro, um, who sings the, 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 yeah, singer, the lead guy. singer of the of the band. He's the composer. It's his music. No. Yeah. Brilliant. It's, it's his. So, yeah, that he is a trained musician. It is actually, the songs are his. Um, so that's apparently. how he got the role, presumably. Well, yeah, he, um, all the people that are in the film are actually uh, YK Kim's students. Uh-huh. So they're, they're all people who go to his uh, taekwondo club. And, that, and part of the whole thing was that he was like, to his students, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to make this film together. You're all going to be in it. We're going to you know, put you on the big screen and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, so they are, um, he's an actual musician, the main guy. Um, but yeah. That's really interesting because that answers another question that I had, which was kind of like, are these all trained Taekwondo guys? Because they seem to be pulling off a lot of moves throughout the film. Yes. And at the same time, I'm looking at them and thinking, they're probably not the kind of, people you'd necessarily cast in these kind of like leading man roles yep so he's obviously gone with uh, taekwondo talent first 
uh, overacting to an ability <laughs> second and <laughs> a musical <laughs> prowess third. Yep, pretty, pretty, pretty much. <laughs> but that's the thing. So they come, so they go into this club, Dragon Sound are playing, and that their whole thing is they do Taekwondo on stage. <laughs> Well, they play music. Um, and this uh, the lead ninja guy points to Jeff and asks if that's his sister, who's the girl on stage who's part of the band. And um, Jeff says, oh, yeah, she's not supposed to be here. But we don't know why. <laughs> she's in this band. <laughs> she's at a club. She clearly looks off age. She's like, yeah, she's not supposed to be here. So, okay, protective brother, f- fine. Like, don't you realise your sister's playing A in this band and B that night where you're doing this deal? But, okay. Um, and yeah, he sees her kiss the bassist, um, and you know, he's like shaking his head like, oh, don't, don't approve of this. And, um, yeah, so that's kind of set that up. So now we're at this high school or uni or whatever it is. And the band, the band seemed to be some kind of like local celebs because everyone keeps, every time they will pass like a group of people where he was like, yeah, well, Hey, yeah. And all this stuff. Um, and yeah, the sister Jane is doing some kind of computer programming course, and <laughs> those computers are amazing. Look, yeah, proper eighties. Yeah, if you're just interested in looking at a load of eighties vintage style, like that scene's amazing. Yeah, yeah. What's great is that it opens out, and this guy's kind of giving this speech, saying how um, how their team came in fourth, and he's got like <laughs> he's got the positions on the board and there's only four teams <laughs> <laughs> i didn't notice that <laughs> they came fourth <laughs> so essentially they came last <laughs> but it gives them <laughs> all a round of applause, round of applause. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah they came uh, that's one way of looking at it i suppose um but then we yeah, get the bassist appear again yeah so the bassist comes back and starts making these weird like silly faces <laughs> like this real goofball she's loving it <laughs> she's <laughs> She's thinking, looking at him, thinking, I'm going to fuck this guy <laughs> later. He's so sexy. Because um, I'm looking at him thinking, like, is this going to be, like, the, the kind of the geeky guy? Or the, is he going yeah, to be, like, geeky. an arsehole? Because um, he's yeah, just doing really blinky. lame, like, weird pulling faces. But um, <laughs> that's the, the art of seduction. Yeah. Is this lanky streak of piss? <laughs> I mean, just yeah. So weird. <clears throat> and so they take this opportune time um, to, and he asks if she has family. <laughs> like they've never discussed it before. Um, so no idea. They could have been just going out since last night for all we know. He doesn't, he doesn't even know if she has family. And then she goes into this backstory about her brother pays for, who's Jeff, who we know. Um, her brother pays for everything. But for some reason, for some reason, she doesn't like him. What could the uh, elaborate on it? Yeah, no, well, mystery, yeah. intrigue, and uh, she quickly gives this thing about her parents who are both dead, um, and then who who do they bump into? But <laughs> coming in like Mad Max with like a hundred cars, <laughs> it's Jeff. He pulls into what I really love as well as he pulls into a disabled bay. <laughs> he comes in. Nice touch, and she goes. She goes, oh, this is my friend. <laughs> He's like, a friend? And immediately punches. <laughs> immediately punches the bassist. <laughs> but this, that is then probably like the most brilliant sort of part of the film for me. 
what when this is when <laughs> that you're dialogue asking, scene this lanky loser and his uh, like gang of mates are also kind of you know they look like high school geeks that can be bullied they're all trained taekwondo artists <laughs> <laughs> and they can fight back against yeah. this like really again like really good like 80s kind of like street punk coke trading gang of nasty ne'er-do-wells yeah and then you get Thank that you. face off don't you and it's like it's classic it's like um west side story you know yeah or yeah. romeo the and juliet it is like the band come out and help and it is oh my god just this scene it's one of the best adr scenes <laughs> adr scenes ever as in they've overdubbed the dialogue afterwards um on top of the footage and it doesn't fit it doesn't make sense you can't understand really what's being said it is so fucking stupid (laughs) and i'll tell you what i'm gonna play i'm gonna play a little bit of it now are these bums your friends there's just some misunderstanding you don't understand i'm her brother when i tell you leave her alone leave her alone whatever you say just remember what I said if you don't want to get hurt. You don't scare me at all. Jane, I want to talk at to you all. later. Goodbye. Let's go. So, yeah, that kind of gives um, an example of, uh, <laughs> of the kind of grade A Shakespearean-like dialogue that you're you're getting here. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was really funny to watch. Um, and then, so, it, we go back to the club, and these other guys who we've not seen before just turn up to meet the manager... And immediately it doesn't even, it doesn't start at like a, th- a two or a three and then work its way up to 10. It starts off at 10. Like they immediately, this conversation is immediately fucking angry and up there and they start on each other. And basically it seems like these guys were the old band who played at the club. Oh my God, yeah. And yeah. they attack the promoter, but they all know martial arts. So there's this martial, weird martial arts scene where everybody just knows fucking Taekwondo and <laughs> fighting. And you can tell it's clearly some of it's just improvised because it's, um, it just feels so unnatural and stilted. I feel oh, so, I love it feels so fluid. It feels so fluid. <laughs> These guys are, yeah, masters True improv. Yeah. <laughs> what are you in here for, man? Waste hey, look, my time? Bitch. I thought I fired you once. Yeah, yeah, you fired me once because of the goddamn dragon sound. That's bullshit. They came in here to play goddamn songs for kids. Now, who you bullshit? They play a lot better than you, man. You they play music for old people. Music. Your music's for old hey, people. Hey, look, man, you don't know what music's all about. I tell you what, are you deaf? You sure don't know how to play, I tell you that. That's my ass. Got it? Ooh. Tell me, That's it, man. buddy, you're history. You're full of shit. You want to go out of here? Hey, man. And then, yeah, and then we hear a random phone call to do with a meeting or something. And then we're at a, a meeting back at the Ninja HQ. And they're like, and they're like in like center parks or something. <laughs> they're just running around these like wooden like paths that have been made up. They're not even like in the trees or the bushes oh, yeah. that much. <laughs> like, it's like, what are they doing? Are they training? Are they just running around? Um, and Jeff is there and he's now in a suit and he's meeting this ninja guy. He looks like they're mates and there's some, I don't know what's going on. He must be buying the Coke or something like that. Um, and yeah, and this ninja leader is, keeps going on about his sister. 
<laughs> leave her alone. Oh, she yeah. Con- saying that he's concerned about her. Yeah, that's uh, bizarre, that part. It's a really, really poorly inserted piece of dialogue. It was awful. So stupid. And then here comes basically the whole crux of the film, which makes absolutely no sense in terms of the plot. Is that he says to Jeff, they have to get rid of the band to control the area. <coughs> Why? <laughs> because Why? The- because the band just happened to be a highly skilled, trained operation of taekwondo masters. But he doesn't know that. Uh, I've watched that. They've not, they've, not, they've not done anything. They're just a band at this point. Oh, yeah. All they've done is stand off in the high school car park. Yeah. They didn't even fight. All that, ha- it's like, all that happened was that they were like, hey, leave my friend alone or whatever. And, they, and that's because he punched him. There's no fighting. There was nothing to do with the drug deals or whatever. They need to get rid of the band to control the area. (laughs) (laughs) They're not even in... I don't even think they're supposed to be even in that city. (laughs) And that's the thing, is this whole thing now rests on this, and it makes absolutely no sense. So, and this is what I love about this film as well, is there's scenes that just just fat. There's nothing happening in them, but they're trying to, like, add a bit of flavour. So they're they're eating dinner in this completely, like, superfluous scene. Um... And they're saying how great it is whilst this guy watches and he's like looking on. And I believe the guy watching who owns the diner is the director. Um, oh, sorry, the producer. No, the director, sorry, of the uh, of the film. Um, nice. Yeah, who's, who's not YK Kim. It's YK Kim and this other guy, which I'll go on to. But I believe, yeah, the other guy is um, the guy that owns his restaurant. Obviously so now, a, uh, a student of Hitchcock. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> his cameo. Um but it's more than a cameo. He actually gets, you know, he speaks a bit later. But yeah, we're, we're back at another gig. Finally. So we're in the club and, uh, yeah, they're um, playing Against the Ninja, which is a- another classic tune, but now the sister's singing. And I don't know if you know, but it feels like it's almost exactly the same chord structure to Friends Forever. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they definitely occupy similar spheres of the musical world, these two yeah. songs. But um, I literally think the guitar part is exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's just different enough, though. And it's got her on lead. Yeah, true, true. Um, um, how much would you, you know, would you kill for an audience like that as well? I mean, yeah. th- this band can turn up, but they're playing like what every night. They seem to be the resident house band of this club, and the yeah. club is ram jammed. Yeah, loving it, and like everyone's super into it. And yeah, no wonder they're local celebs. Like it looks like it's the <laughs> only place to go. <laughs> it makes uh, Miami. In 1987, looked like absolute idyllic place to be. Um, yeah. Except for what comes later. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um, so, so they play their gig, 
and they're leaving. But these these bad guys are now waiting for them, and it's the old band and their mates or something. Um, but it's weird because like you're not sure if they're like Jeff's guys or not. But because of what happens later. I guess it's not Jeff's guys, even though they're probably double up and they're probably the same actors. Yeah. But I think story-wise, it's just supposed to be the old band and like their mates. Um, it's weird. So they follow them in the car. All these other cars turn up, and then there's this just scene which takes ages where they're just shouting, <laughs> shouting at the band, and the, the band are just like looking around, like <laughs> mesmerized by what's going on, like not actually doing or saying anything, just like. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was quiet power. They didn't um, want to maybe. use their their fighting skills because obviously they're you know they just want to rock. Yeah. Um, yeah. Until of course they push their buttons. Well, yeah. Like the the main guy slaps a chain across the car <laughs> and tells him to ride off or something, and then <laughs> and then you get a real close up here of uh, YK Kim. And you can see that he is a million years old and he's just wearing so much makeup <laughs> to try and hide it. And he's uh, like, look, we just work there. It's not our business. And I won't try and do an impression because it'd be very racist. But um, it's uh, he just has trouble speaking English, let's say. The words aren't pronunciated properly. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, then they basically pour beer all over them in the car and they're like, oh, get off. It's really out of and order, that. Yeah, that's really mean, the all, moment to be like, "Come on, just kick this fat fucker's ass!" Yeah, and that's what they do. Kicks off. So they've all got like bats and pipes, um, but yeah, with the power of taekwondo, <laughs> they manage to stave <laughs> stave them off. And it's that classic thing where there's just people there in the background, like waiting for their turn yeah. <laughs> to be hit. <laughs> um, I really like this scene. It really made me um, think of like Streets of Rage come to life. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. It actually is, isn't it? Yeah. And I thought the action bits, that's the thing is with this film as well. It's like, I actually did really enjoy the action sequences. Yeah. And this is one of them where I was like, yeah, I'm into this. I can do, I can dig this. Yeah. Obviously you have to, you know, suspend disbelief a little bit. Like you say, there are people hanging around waiting to get kicked in the midriff. Yeah. Um, but they just keep coming and, uh, yeah, it's funny. And I'll tell you what, the music for this bit as well, it's actually really cool. It's, um, it's quite dark and gothic and it's really, like tonally quite strange and um yeah i really i really enjoyed enjoyed this bit it was cool so Oh, God. So this is another... This film just has so many weird, weird bits to it. So they get back, and then you realise that they all live together. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. This scene... Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's the best. God. It's the best scene. So they all... So Jim... Jim um, gets a letter, and uh, Jim is um, uh, the, um, the black guy of the group. He is so strange because he has this really like high pitched <laughs> weird voice and he's always like topless <laughs> <for some reason. laughs> and he gets this letter and they tease him for fucking ages about this letter trying to like like go to give it to him and then take it away and it's the bassist the geeky bassist 
and it's way more than it's comfortable like to the point where it feels like they're properly bullying him <laughs> he's just like give it back give it back <laughs> And, and then, they go, what's the letter? Who's the letter from? Well, so he cut, and they come out, the other guys, and they're like, what are you doing? Trying to wake up the neighbours? <laughs> and they say this about three times. <laughs> what are you doing? What are you doing? What That's is like, this letter? What is it? Be like, like, stop yeah, talking. What, what are they doing? <laughs> the guy's received a letter. Let him read his fucking letter. And they're making this big deal about it, like, oh, oh, you want the letter so much? What's so, so exciting? What's in the letter? It's, like, it's just his mail. <laughs> It could be an invoice for, for the services, but yeah, for like drumsticks or something. What does he do in the band, that chap? I can't remember. I think he's keyboard. Oh, okay. Yeah, that um, makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yeah, they keep going on about it. And that's the thing with these like scenes, is where they're like clearly like improvised a bit or whatever. <laughs> um, they just talk over each other until someone has the... <laughs> the motion to like say something say the next line of dialogue that will continue the scene or something oh and in this case it, it would have been better if it just carried on in that sort of cycle of poor improv because we get some of the worst exposition of the film are you kidding this is probably <laughs> one of my top moments in this entire fucking film jim this is jim's monologue hey jim i got a letter for you a letter it's from washington dc Hey, give it to me. What's the story? Give it to me. Huh? Give What's me the, the big secret? Give me the letter. Give me the damn letter now! Give me the letter, Pusher. Okay, okay. You can have it. Give me the letter now! Give me the letter! Now! Jeez, you guys, what's going on out here? What are you trying to do? Wake up the neighbors? Maybe get some work done. You would have had enough done from that street. I'm sorry. 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 I'm John, what happened? Enough, I'll tell you. Jim, you guys fighting or what? What happened? This letter? What letter? Jeez. John, what happened? I don't know. He won't tell me. Huh? Jim, tell us. What happened? Jim, what is this letter? Tell us. Go ahead. Tell us. Why don't you explain to us? Come on. We're, we're your best friends. Sorry, is hiding from us from you guys. Oh, man. Let's... But this looks like your brother. I didn't know you have a brother. It's my father. What? This is your real father? Yes, it is. Are you sure? I didn't know you had a father. I thought we are all orphans. <laughs> my mother was Korean. Black American. She gave me this picture when she was real sick. I was only nine years old. They say that they loved each other and they were real loyal. They were real happy. But then when he finished military duty, he left. And we never saw him again. She told me to find him. But I didn't like him because he left us. But I knew one day when I grew up, I'd find him. Whether he was dead or alive. I sent a couple letters to the defense department. 
This is Jim pouring out his heart. And apparently in the background, I didn't, I still haven't looked for it properly. Like apparently in the background, some of the people are like trying not to laugh. Uh, the, <laughs> the acting here is really terrible. It's really bad, but it, he's fucking in it. He's like really trying to sell it. So yeah. Jim, Jim, by the way, he's got his like jeans unbuttoned as well. <laughs> his jeans are fucking off, way off. Um, and then, yeah, they, he says, so they push the point that they're all orphans, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. they're like, quite they're shocked, deal. aren't they? They're shocked by his news. Yeah. That he's they're... received a letter from... His dad. He's got a dad. My but father. They're, they're My not father. just shocked. <laughs> <laughs> they seem like quite annoyed at first. Yeah, they're a bit like, you never told us you had a dad. Like, we're all orphans. <laughs> what the <laughs> fuck do you mean you've got a dad? <laughs> but that scene is just so great. It's just so, it comes out of nowhere. It's so uncomfortable. It goes on for ages. It's just it's Poorly acted. <laughs> yeah, it's so terrible and it's so great at the same time. Real, um, real ham-fisted kind of piece of writing. Oh, trying to squeeze this new bit of and just exposition the guy's and the narrative in there. Oh, God. <laughs> just the guy's voice itself and the way he's looking but they're all like there's this real like homoerotic thing between all of them it's so weird um and so anyway now so now we're in this weird scene and it's a complete tonal shift we're on a miami beach it's all bikinis notion this is like the fucking baywatch kind of 80s stuff they're cruising in their car hassling girls trying to kiss them <laughs> this is weird scenes where he's like getting beaten up by some girls on the beach this um, was really bad. <laughs> so weird. Well, this it really, it's really telling. He really overexposes his like idea of like, oh, this is the comic relief part of the film. Yeah. Um, but they didn't think to write anything, so he like he falls over, and he like falls in between some girls that's sunbathing, and they're kind of like slapping him, going, "Oh, get away, get away!" And he's just sort of like flailing around, and it just no, goes on, really and on, and and on and on and on and on and on. And he's probably thinking, the more it goes on, the funnier it gets. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, they're really trying to like fill time with this stuff. It's just so they, that's the thing is they keep pushing things to like beyond uncomfortable to just funny uncomfortable. Uh, it's so strange. Um, but it's a it's a bonding moment, isn't it, for the audience with this uh, with this gang? Yeah, it's a bit levity. Yeah. Unfortunately, though, it's also a bit creepy. Like the way they're just. <laughs> catcalling basically all these women on the beach yeah. cruising around like driving on the beach as well which is just weird um, yeah, and illegal yeah and there's all this like horrible kissing in the ocean between jane and the bassist as well um which you know it's all supposed to be like oh it's there you know they love each other and all this stuff fine so now oh. it cuts and we're in another gym where people are just working out in like jeans <laughs> Like they're not in any workout gear. Mm. They just like look like they've just walked off the street or out of, you know, a bloody soup kitchen or something and have just started working <laughs> out. And then the evil band that we just saw, um, they come in, they're all bruised up with fake bandages. And so I'm like, and some, some guy is just heckling them for no reason. And that, yeah, they say they're here to see Jeff. So um, the bat, and they, oh God, again, this doesn't make any sense. The bad. The bad guy says that he'll, so that's in the bad band leader, whatever, says that he'll join their gang, Sir Jeff's gang, and that if they get rid of the band, 
he'll give him any money he makes. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't thought that through, really, has he? Like, what do you do? What deal is that? You give him <laughs> any money that you make. Like, isn't the whole point of this? Empathy. Surely the point. Yeah. <laughs> Surely the point is that he, you know, he's in the band to make money. He wants to whatever. Why is he bothered? And then he points out that this that this band, which by the way his sister's in, remember this guy Jeff's sister, he points out that this band that he wants them to get rid of or whatever are all black belts and they're pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's the that's like the next thing. So now the bad band guys are working with Jeff's gang. Okay, the coke, cool. got the it, coke got gang. It. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're all. We're kind of getting a bit more of a consolidation of bad guys here, which is no. Yeah, thank God. I was always um, thinking that from this point on, um, that I'd like to have heard that band in action. Yeah, the, band, the bands that have been supplanted as the. Uh, the act at the club by the uh the dragon whatever they're called yeah i mean they look like they could it could be hall and oats to be honest yeah <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't be too far too far as much as something like or some kind of like quite plunky kind of like hillbilly hick rock yeah maybe yeah he's he's yeah they're quite weird looking then they don't look like they're in any kind of actual bands and it's whatsoever. been supplanted by this like the slick soul funk stylings of <laughs> of dragon, dragon sound <laughs> so stupid um so now it comes to one of the other great moments of the film which is the weird the weird training video which is where we just sit and watch the three members of dragon sound do some taekwondo moves on the grass. <laughs> and it's literally just them showing off <laughs> to camera yeah it's a good it's scene saying, i think it's, it's a necessary scene because not. if you've only seen six films and you're basing your movie on them then you'll know that in every kung fu film at some point there's some kind of training montage yeah but this is literally like almost a tutorial <laughs> video <laughs> But the, the shots are so clearly staged and fake, and the, and there's like they're not even close to each other. Like when they're kicking each other, it's like his foot smiles away from, from the guy's face. It's so well, they're, weird. Act, they're actors, they're acting. We can't really do this stuff. Well, that's true. But and then one of the most infamous shots is um, infamous, famous, mm-hmm. um, is when he puts his fist into the guy's mouth and holds it there. <laughs> I, was, I did a double take on that. I really thought, what the hell is that? It's bizarre. Any it's thoughts? So I don't know. I don't really understand what was that was supposed to prove. It's just this weird, weird thing. And then he picks up the guy with, picks up the guy's, use, I have to say this right. He picks up the guy on the floor with his feet by picking him up with his nose, if that makes sense. He picks the guy up with, from his nose with his feet. So he pinches the guy's nose or whatever between the, his toes and lifts him up. <laughs> so get, you know, like I said, it's, it's an audacious conceit, this film, uh, with some audacious scenes. Execution. Is, is that a move? Is that a Daikoto move? The, the nose pinch lift? So fucking weird. So after you get this stupid training sequence they have a little chat afterwards and they 
they talk about um oh we should maybe put some breaking boards on stage that would be cool nothing about the music by the way <laughs> if they're a band they're talking about they're more concerned about the visuals of, of what they're going to be doing and the other guy says that he's hesitant to play there again um and you know they think they should stand up for themselves because they need the money and they talk about the band being their family and this is kind of like the heart-to-heart thing and then yk kim says um taekwondo is practiced by everyone in korea and you know now they're talking about playing a world tour and visiting the roots where their parents came from and all this stuff basically (laughs) spreading the word of taekwondo which in a in a real meaningful way is what yk kim is actually trying to do he's trying to spread spread the message of how taekwondo um you know can help heal the world and uh he sincerely seems to believe that um now, so now they're asking, uh, they're talking about the guy um, who owns the restaurant. They're asking where he is. And then we cut to this scene and it's his hoodlums in this, in the restaurant. And one guy, one guy is just wearing a pair of pants, basically. <laughs> so weird. And they basically walk out without paying and the restauranter stops them and they start on him. And so he starts doing some Taekwondo stuff. Um, and then the band turn up turn up too late um, but you know the restaurateur has been able to like you know get them see them off Um, it's another great moment it's one of those ones where it's like you think you're looking at the underdog but because they've got the power of taekwondo he just beats the crap out of them all yeah it's fantastic they deserved it another little good like feel good moment in the film where you're like yes um and he's got that ridiculous like Mickey and Minnie Mouse apron on. <laughs> Don't remember that. <laughs> I thought it was a really nice touch. <laughs> yeah, he's, um, and again, that's supposed to be the. I believe that's the director. I could be wrong. Um, oh god, it's so, so weird. And then we, we're going back to the um, the stage and the music again, and now we're seeing. Why KKM pretended to kick people on stage? He just looks like an annoying little cunt, really. <laughs> Sorry, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> but he does say it's like, we're trying to play music, mate. <laughs> and, then he, and then he does his nose thing again. He's leading someone by the nose. And it's Jim um, leading him by the nose. They were like, like really happy. I'm like, I'd be like, get your fucking foot out of my nose, dick. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? Stop it! Oh, dear. Trying to got stuff to play. <laughs> you do leading me by the nose. It's so degrading. Uh, it's, not even a, it's not even a move. What is it? Oh <laughs> uh, God! Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, and this is all while they're doing like this restaurant. Restaurant guy is giving this. Imp- you know, impassioned speech to him about Taekwondo or whatever. Oh, it's so ridiculous. So now after the show again, <laughs> we get basically the exact same thing that happened like 20 minutes ago, which is that um, they get like a note about meeting them downtown. And um, yeah, so now we're gearing up to this, another another fight. And um, so then now we're at Jeff's gym. Jane turns up the sister and says um, that... Uh, she wants to continue seeing uh, the bassist guy. She loves him. And she wants uh, Jeff to leave leave them all alone. And Jeff explains how he, he thinks that this bassist guy and the band are a distraction. 
he pays for her basically and he wants her to focus on her school and she, she he doesn't want her seeing this basis guy again so instead of actually like standing up to him instead she just calls him terrible and leaves which makes it sound like she's kind of almost accepted it i don't know it's mm-hmm. weird it's not really it doesn't really come to any real conclusion it's just reinforcing stuff that we've already kind of it's already kind of been established um so now Jeff and his guys are waiting for Dragon Sound to turn up because of this note on the car. So just that's weird, like the timeline of it all. Yeah, and what I love is that the the, the evil band guy, the lead guy, is clearly trying to hold in his stomach as he's sitting there in his jeans with his top off or whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, Dragon Sound rocking up and, and there's another fight scene. And just everyone just looks so unfit. Like the, the um, bad guys, they're just like, they just look awful. <laughs> I've not done any exercise ever. Um, and yeah, so the cops turn up and they all disperse. Um, and apparently they were real cops. Uh, so I hear. Um, wow. Yeah, a little, little tidbit there. Uh, and so now this scene is also super great. So now the motorcycle ninjas are cruising and they blend into an actual biker gang, as in like a real life biker gang. Um, and. Yeah, you can tell they're clearly a real biker gang because they, 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 look, they look like it. And this lead ninja guy is just so effeminate that he just stands out like a, like a sore thumb. He's got this, like, white little scarf on around his neck for a start. <laughs> and he's trying, to, like, he's trying to fit in and be a bit macho and stuff. But it's just, oh, God, it's just so awkward and uncomfortable to watch. Um, but great at the same time. And then Jeff turns up. They have a drink and literally they say, (laughs) after saying, let's not talk business, the very next cut, they immediately start talking business. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, The whole point of this scene is so that the leader um, can say that he's concerned that Dragon Sound haven't been dealt with yet. mm. And that's it. I have still, again, I have no idea why he's bothered. (laughs) Why is he, what's he about? Has he got better things to do? I honestly think some of those scenes, I can. It's like he is replicating other scenes from more famous films. Yeah. Like you know, he's gone. Oh, you know, in Scarface, there's a bit where they have, you know, they meet up and and discuss business around a a deal or something. Yeah. And I better do something without you know the bad guys talking. Yeah, that's it. Or they've just came across a biker gang. Or like, quick, let's film something. Yeah, this is cool. Um, <laughs> So now we're back at the orphanage, otherwise known as this random house full of the band. And, yeah, like, uh, they're doing their homework and all this stuff, and they're they're writing literally sheet music, as in literal music. And and it's like, what I love is that the singer guy's like, oh, it says to um, YK Kim, who I think is called Mark, I can't remember. Um, It's like, oh, what do you think? And he goes, oh, it looks good. Looks good. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Sheet music. (laughs) (laughs) If anyone showed me any, if they showed me like, I can't read music. I can read like guitar tablature or whatever. If someone showed me guitar tablature, I was like, what do you think? But it looks good. Who <laughs> <laughs> fucking knows? Music video. That's good. Uh, like you can immediately tell. And then, um, yeah, so I kick him. I think his name's Mark. I'm going to just call him Mark from now on. Um, he's feeding everyone uh, grapes straight into their mouth, which is just <laughs> fucking weird. It's, yeah, it's not a great moment. It's, and also, like, I'm not paying attention to what's being said. I'm just watching him going around, putting grapes into his mouth and thinking, is he going to is he gonna do it to everyone? <laughs> like, he, am I literally going to watch him do it? And for some reason, it's so mesmerising. But, yeah, they're just having breakfast and talking about nothing, and that's a scene. <laughs> End of the scene. Right, OK. Um, so now they're back at school, people are shaking their hands, the celebs... Jeff's goons, I mean, how many times can we do this? Jeff's goons are waiting for them again in the parking lot. They are followed again. Um, but it starts raining. So they go into the restaurant while the mustachioed guy parks the car. He gets kidnapped. Um, and they're like, Mark's going to get you. <laughs> um, and they beat him up a bit and they lock him away. And, uh, yeah, so Jane turns up, the sister, like, yo, what have you done? What have you done with him? And basically, they're just hitting on her. All the other guys are like, oh, look at you, hey, whatever. Um, and, yeah, uh, so she asked to see the guy, um, but, yeah, instead she just walks out. So not sure why that scene's even in there, but, okay, I think they just wanted to make it that she was trying to see if she could get him out or whatever, but and failed. Yeah. Um, and then there's this weird scene where <laughs> it's quite funny, another fight scene, but Tom, I think his name is the mustachioed guy, is tied up to an electric tower or something with Jeff watching and they're waiting for Dragon Sound to turn up. And they do turn up uh, to save him and um, they're like, you know, <laughs> it's a series of basic vignettes of them quietly taking everyone out. But they're like, they're like killing people. <laughs> they're like critically <laughs> injuring people, slicing their necks open Um and yeah, and it's like they've taken no prisoners at the moment. One guy at one point slams into a plastic bucket and snaps it in half, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> Another one is hiding in a bin, <laughs> just hiding in a bin, and just comes out and attacks. How long was he? How long was he waiting there for? <laughs> so funny! Like, what are you doing? I've got to hide in this bin, and on the off chance that someone might come near, I don't have to take a step. <laughs> 
so um, ridiculous. It's quite sinister parts of this scene, though, especially when they've got um, whatever what's his name, the guy that's been kidnapped, Tom, with, I think the, his name with is. the mustache, yeah, yeah, the lead singer, yeah. Um, and he's like um, being bound to that that um, pillar. Yeah, there's something quite there's something quite religious about it. This wrought face of just like pain and anguish. Yes, yeah. um, it really, it really gets you quite, you know, emotional. <laughs> and again, it's another one of those scenes where you're like, "Come on, they get in there and they're going to rescue him." Like you say, yeah, breaking people, hurting people, chopping people open, and you think, yeah. you know, about bloody time because yeah, they've shit, just gone shit too just far. Got real. They've gone yeah. too far. Exactly, they've taken one of their own. You don't do that. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's ridiculous. So now Jeff, Jeff's now getting involved, and he has some kind of like has some kind of like stick with lots of nails on it. It's not like a bat; it's just a stick with nails in, and he's got one in each hand. It's like the weirdest weapon. Um, I don't. I literally don't know what it is. Uh, but yeah, and then so they now get up to this like. Um, tower, whatever it is, and Mark knocks Jeff off and kills him. I kills was waiting him. for him to get back up again or something because, you know, it wasn't that big a fall. Yeah. But no, and he's dead. Yeah. That's his bandmate's brother. Just killed Just killed him. Well, not just... Oh, Mark, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Mark that did it. Yeah, Mark did it. Um, he's dead, and so that, he's dead. Yeah. That feels like a concluding point to the movie in a way because he's been set up as the big bad guy, the villain of the piece. And um, yeah, that's it. Bam, gone. Gone. But that's not the end of the film. No, Instead, no. the white ninja, um, he's sitting there with his guys and he gets word that Jeff is dead. And uh, now this white ninja guy um, decides that you know his death must be avenged. So they go across this, like, children's adventure playground or wherever they're based. <laughs> it's a stupid fucking park. And they're literally jumping over... They're literally jumping over the actual obstacles that are in this park, like <laughs> wooden walkways and stuff. They're not even pretending like it's an actual ninja training ground. Um, it's so weird. Uh, and now this is another one of my favourite bits because it's with um, uh, the, uh, Jim, I think it is, um, back at Dragon Sound HQ and he's got another letter from his father and he goes my father oh my god <laughs> they found my father it's like literally his voice is like up there my father my father I found my father oh my god ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっと、ちょっ
It's so fucking ridiculous, ADT. It's, it's such a funny scene. Yeah, it's like suddenly it becomes a scene from uh, Rags to Riches story where they're all going around and they're fitting in for a suit. And, yeah. And you just know as well, you're like, yeah, this isn't going to end well for him. No, they're really setting this up. Setting this up for a fool. But he does, yeah, he looks the business. Jane is there. Um, and, yeah, she seems she seems quite happy that you know, Jim has found his father. Um, and she seems to be cool with the fact that her brother just got murdered by her bandmate. <laughs> it's one of my favourite bits of the film. So yeah. her, her boyfriend, the lanky bass guy, yeah, he doesn't dress it. They don't just, you know... Yeah, they, they do talk about it. They don't yeah. just paper over it. They talk about it, and the extent of that discussion is oh yeah i'm sorry about what happened to your brother um but uh you know had to happen and she kind of goes it's okay i'm just so happy for jim that he's found his father (laughs) (laughs) we have to be strong now for jim that's exactly what happens (laughs) she even she even apologizes that she's been gone for so long (laughs) Yeah, she says, oh, she's hurting. She, she loves him, the bassist guy, whatever, so, so much. Um, you know, she says she understands and it's all over now. <laughs> it's your fucking... You, know, you found your father, Jim. <laughs> that's what matters. And, that's, and we as the audience are like, ah, oh, lovely, tie it all up in a bow and relax and just enjoy a happy ending. <laughs> yeah. But not quite. What I love in this scene as well is that Jim is just creepily looking on at them. It's just so, <laughs> so weird. He keeps hugging. He keep they keep hugging everyone. So I just go, just fuck off already. <laughs> Get in the car. So, so here we go. Yeah, this is the we're coming into the end game now. So motorcycle ninjas turn up in their ninja outfits, and literally, <laughs> literally when the band when the band see them coming, they go, oh, ninjas. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, they've beaten everyone so, like, soundly that no one really poses a threat. And and they don't even bother, the director doesn't bother to make it look like anyone's a threat. They literally go, oh, oh look, we're on our way to the airport. We've got to get a flight. <laughs> this is important. But yeah, they say it as if, like, like, it's just started raining or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, how annoying, what a nuisance. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, we then see... Oh, God, we then see a um, a confrontation. It's some kind of confrontation, but it's been shot behind some bushes. You can't actually see what's happening. It's so weird. It's just been poorly directed and just been f- completely fluffed up. And they've, they've had to try and mangle together some footage and continue the story. Um, and so now they're suddenly running through this park to take on the ninjas. And this is where, like, it starts getting crazy. <laughs> it starts going really weird. So basically, Jim, Jim, as you can probably tell, you know, bad stuff happens. He gets sliced across the chest and he, like, literally screams for ages, like, Jim! <laughs> Jim! <laughs> Fucking ages. Um, uh, what is great about this entire sequence is you can actually see members of the public in the background just watching what's happening. <laughs> uh, it's really weird, this, because obviously they've, they were driving to the airport, they were on the road and were stopped and confronted by the ninjas. And then suddenly, yeah, they somehow managed to make their way down into this, like, 
suddenly it looks like Vietnam. It's yeah. like platoon or something. Yeah. And they're running around through all the water. And everyone's and it keeps cutting, doesn't it? Cutting, cutting. It just feels yeah. like there's people running. And there's there's the three of these guys from the band. And then there's like random all these like anonymous ninjas. Yeah. The whole thing's totally like confusing. But again, like it's got the energy and the kind of silly excitement of the whole film. Yeah, and it's like it's just a pure bloodbath now at the moment. So they drag they drag Jim through a river and John, I think his name is the bassist, takes the rest on. He gets a sword and he's just straight up murdering people. Yeah. He's not even not even thinking twice. Um and they're like now in this like weird like blood frenzy for like Jim just getting a slice across the chest and they're like, right, we're gonna fucking kill everyone. Well they're John's angry. Got his shirt off. It's covered <laughs> in blood. It's like got fucking Rambo. That's it. It's right. That the, the the slaying of Jim. It's it. It's like you know because everything was coming together for him. He's you know he's going to finally meet his dad. He's got his like new suit on. He's happy, and it's just so it's just so crushing, crushingly tragic. And they just snap. Yeah. And he employs some kind of like apocalypse now <laughs> kind of um, the director of techniques. Sorts of slow mo. It's like, yeah, they've really, they've really snapped suddenly. Yeah. Slow mo, some like uh, tight kind of like zooms on uh, the gawky, ugly, gangly guy's face. Yeah. He's kind of, now he's all like, his face is like smeared in mud, and he's lost it. And yeah, uh, it's gone feral. I, I wonder at this point, are they still employing the uh, the beautiful art of taekwondo? It's, yeah, I don't know. Does taekwondo involve swords? It's just. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a bloodbath. Well, this is it. So just remember this bloodbath because there's going to be a, an important message at the end of the film that you should take notice of. <laughs> so, so the next bit is the white ninja. He's just sitting there, and he gets told that the <laughs> ninja comes up and goes, "Everybody's dead." <laughs> so the white ninja chops off the messenger's head <laughs> and just starts laughing. It's like, what? Okay, you're right. He's a, and now he's a bad dude. He's a bad dude, and I think clearly that footage has come from something else or whatever. So now it's Mark versus the, this white ninja, um, who is now clearly another actor, and I think it's actually the bassist in just some <laughs> white sheets. I'm pretty sure. Um, but it's definitely a Caucasian guy um, wearing what almost looks like a hazmat suit or something. It doesn't look like... It's definitely not... It's not even the same clothes. Um and yeah, this is the, like this is the final showdown, and uh, he kills the white ninja, and then yeah, we now see Mark and John running around in slow mo, dramatic music. Oh, they're all going, "Come on!" Um, but yeah, they take they take Jim, they survive, they take Jim to the hospital, and the dad's there, who looks younger. <laughs> and the reason why he looks younger is because he is younger <laughs> than Jim. <laughs> And I think uh, they literally put talcum powder or something <laughs> in his hair to make him look older. And his moustache. Uh. It, it was like they didn't know any other black people. <laughs> it's like, well, we've only got, we only know one other black person. And he's like 10 years younger than, <laughs> than our gym guy. So it'll be fine. Just stick some talcum powder. He looks older now. Look, it's fine. Um, yeah, and he's suddenly like really concerned about his son. And the dad says, you know, he's going to make right what he did wrong. He thanks Mark. And Mark says he would do anything for Jim. And Jim's wheeled out and he's looking great. And uh, they all say that they love each other. No one will mess with their band again. Everyone is safe. So they all go home. 
and with the ending <laughs> that says um <laughs> god what is it only through uh the elimination of violence can we achieve world peace no credits bearing in mind we have just had a s- absolute bloodbath of slaughter <laughs> of pure violence yeah and then the message is that we mustn't do anything violent <laughs> the elimination of violence is well peace it's like you've killed everyone you've literally just killed everyone and that's it it's the end that's the end of the film yeah there were some problems with this final scene um were there <laughs> really <laughs> One of the parts that I really um, enjoyed was when Jim is wheeled out um, and the father said, so this is the first time that he's seen his son in what have we been led to believe? Like 30 years, 20 years, something Something like like that. And he delivers the most unnatural robotic stayed (laughs) kind of... (laughs) line he goes oh now that I've seen how committed uh, your friends are to you I also uh, love you and (laughs) and then he just sort of like puts his hand on his shoulder and gives um, gives him a squeeze and Jim's just like he couldn't be happier it's actually (laughs) quite sad it's tragic yeah it's like vacant father and Jim's just like so desperate and um yeah, it's awful. It's just that is like whoever wrote this, YK Kim, it's just tried to use the scene to basically put across all the points that he's tried to across the whole film in the most ham fisted, unnatural way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a real, I, I thought it was a real shame and a bit of a cheap out that they didn't have Jim die. Um, well, the, the, the original ending was with Jim dying. Oh, really? And then they had they had to go back and shoot some extra bits um, because, uh, yeah, apparently he got told by whoever distributed it. I'll, I'll probably come on to that a bit later. I've got it written down somewhere. I think um, said that they that wasn't a good enough ending. Had to have a better resolution. Um, That's a terrible resolution because yeah. you can't have your cake and eat it. So they've yeah. already set up the whole he dies and we get all the emotional drama of that dying in his suit on the way to the airport it's awful um but then it's like hey and he's okay again now he's fine and uh we can have the happy reunion with the dad the robotic dad who's 10 years younger than him (laughs) in talcum powder (laughs) and it just doesn't know and it, it cheapens cheapens that previous moment that was so powerful yeah, well, you can watch the alternative ending on YouTube. I'll put a link in the show notes as well, hmm. um, if I remember. Uh, yeah, but you can check it out, and it's um, yeah, maybe you might prefer it that way. So that was the, that was the film. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about its background and how it even got made <laughs> in the first place. Christ. So yeah, it's uh, it was made in 1987, and Richard Park, who's the director, who's who's actually called. Uh, Park Wu Sang, um, but obviously he changed his name to appeal more to a, an American audience. Um, he saw YK Kim on uh, a Korean talk show called Meet at 11 pm, I think it was called, in 85. And he was promoting his book about Taekwondo, and they had a chat. And um, Park 
let's say, um, said, oh, you should make a film. So Parker had conceptualised the story whilst watching uh, Kim's interview. And um, then they, uh, basically, the working title was called Taekwondo. It was all going to be about Taekwondo. And so Waiko Kim borrowed money from uh, from friends. He took out loans, spent all of his savings, mortgaged his Taekwondo school to finance the film, Never made a film before, obviously. Um, and he almost went bankrupt. And apparently some people said that it was up to almost a million dollars got sunk into that film, um, which is crazy when you think about it. And that, now he's actually a motivational speaker and he's doing, he's doing quite well. Uh, but yeah, he didn't even know that he had to have a screenplay. <laughs> he didn't even know he had to have a screenplay, so they made it up on the day. Um, How, so hang on, wait. <laughs> what? Yeah. What did he think? What did he think? He didn't know. He didn't know. He'd never made a film. He hardly watched films. Had no idea. He didn't realise you had to have a screenplay or a script. <laughs> what did he think was going to happen? They were just going to... Yeah, just film stuff. Just film naturally. Put... Divine intervention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is kind of what happened. Um, and yeah, he was allowed to shoot around. It's all shot in Orlando. And because he was a bit of a local figure there in the sheriff department... Uh, loved him apparently and they just let him do what he wanted basically um, in Orlando uh, which was nice um, but yeah as you can imagine he he wanted it to be like a big film all the studios rejected it um, a lot of the uh, film distrib- distributors hated it uh, they thought it was trash and yeah he but he started he um, did some more refilming um for bits and pieces like the ending for instance reworked some portions um of it and then a distribution a distribution company uh, purchased the film for a hundred thousand dollars which is pretty good but even but not good for him because obviously he sunk so much money into it um 10 percent of his yeah yeah exactly of his budget. bloody budget yeah um and he wanted to make a film, a kind of a love letter to Taekwondo. Uh, it opened to eight theatres in Orlando. Um, and he thought it would be a blockbuster, but it ended after three weeks. Because <laughs> <laughs> people said, um, was calling it the, one of the worst films of all time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I feel a little bit sorry for the guy. He obviously had good intentions and the film has got a heart. But at the same time, you know, you've got to laugh at a fool falling flat on their face, frankly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ridiculous. But in 2009, um, a guy at the Alamo, um, Alamo Drafthouse Cinema in Austin, Texas, which is quite a well-known uh, cinema, um, basically found the film on eBay, he made a blind $50 bid and he won it. He screened the film um, in Austin and found that people loved it from beginning to end. Uh, so he gave the film to the creative director of Drafthouse Films and um, Alamo uh, Drafthouse Cinemas, um, their distribution division. And uh, they sought YK Kim's permission to re-release the film. And he thought that they were taking the piss. <laughs> Um, thought you know they were playing a joke on him but um, yeah he went along with it and apparently it did really well it was it was um, people packing out watching it you know YK Kim's dream finally like what 20 years later finally came came true Um, and 
yeah, it's done the film festival circuit a bit. It's become a bit of a cult film in its own right. Um, some people have called it, what is it? Uh, uh, action adventure musical. Um, yeah. Which I can kind of see. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot more well received uh, now that it's been re-released and people can kind of look at it with, um, you know, a different uh, set of eyes and it's, it's totally got appreciated more for the heartfelt, lovely little gem um, that it is. Yeah. But also there's more of a market for the so bad it's good. Yes. Which is, <laughs> which, which is the best thing, <laughs> ever, which is what I love. Um, thing is it's you know parts of it are so bad it's good parts of it are so bad it makes you cringe but then some parts are so awesome that it's awesome yeah i mean yeah i mean it's like what you know what makes a great bad film is it's like the belief behind it if it's like a lazily poorly crafted film then it's just Mm. bad but if there's some kind of love or self-belief behind it like in this case then yeah that's really when it works and you know I think, especially in the current climate, we get a bit sick of people telling us, you know, what's what's good and what's not. And, you know, this, with the Oscars, like Oscar films have to be a certain way, they have to deal with certain topics, and they're quite bland. Like, And that's the problem, is that a lot of these Oscar mm. films, are just it's just a certain type. It's like a genre almost as an, of itself. And we're told that they're the best films. We're told they're really good. But to be honest, like, I would watch this hundred times than when I watch Shape of Water or something, you know, again. Yeah, it's a sincere film made by someone lacking in technical ability, but he does enough to get across his vision. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like, we're kind of, we're kind of, you know, there's that thing with the whole, not to get political, but like the whole Brexit thing of like experts and like, we don't want to listen to experts anymore. And I kind of, I know like it's ridiculous, but I think, we've we do get a bit sick of people telling us what we should like and not like especially in the times of where we can choose what we want to see we're not like tied to like a tv schedule of when we can watch things and it's sometimes that we just want something that doesn't keep ticking all those boxes it does something a bit different and you know, this is stylized it's fun it's ridiculous it doesn't take itself so you know too seriously all the time like a lot of these oscar films do and a lot more serious, more, you know, good films would do. And people like the fact that it's got made in the first place. It's a time where films, you know, even half decent or completely awful, they could still get made. Yeah. And there's a connection with like that every man trying to make his dream happen. It's, yeah. People find that fascinating. It's not, not everything is a critic darling. Sometimes it can be shit and entertaining, even if it's ironic. And this is kind of an an example of that. Um, And that's why I like it really. Absolutely, yeah. People should do more to, you know, make use of the fact that we've got the internet and can just seek out anything, really. You just have to have a bit of imagination. Yeah. Um, um, what else would you recommend to people then that liked this film? With that in mind. Ooh. I mean, the go-to, if people haven't seen it already, is something like The Room. Um, ah, yeah, yeah. Which is the ultimate uh, good-bad film. Um and I know someone who was in it, actually, funny enough. Um, she might be listening to this, Robin. Um, and she's got a series at the moment, which I will happily plug, which is called The Room Actors, Where Are They Now? And they've just done their second series of stuff. Um, so, yeah, go check that out, because it's quite funny. It's, it's, not all the, it's not the main room actors. It's basically everyone apart from Tommy and Greg. Um, 
but yeah, that would be if you like that or you think that sounds good. Yeah, you should watch the room because that is a laugh a second, um, <laughs> and in exactly the same tonal way as this. Like the lead person can't even really speak English properly. <laughs> like it's poorly shot and filmed and directed. It doesn't make sense. The plots everywhere, but it's still like a, a bit of a gem um, that's in there, and I still love it. I think it's great. Yeah. Um, Shaolin Soccer. That's a weird one. Yeah, you seen that? Yeah, I mean, what made you think that? Well, you know, that's not been made badly. That's kind of you know, it's very self-aware. It's a little bit kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek. Um, but you know, it's got the fighting. Yeah, um, yeah, right. And yeah, it's, it's very silly, funny, quite inventive. Um, yeah, there's a lot of heart in that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. That's a that's a, a comedy, and it wears that on its sleeve. Whereas this isn't. <laughs> this isn't supposed <laughs> to be a comedy. Um, maybe, like as you said before, right at the beginning, watch Scarface, <laughs> like that eighties, yeah, decadence. Um, you know, the kind of antithesis to something like watch. Imagine watching Miami Connection and Scarface immediately afterwards. Two very different versions of what was going on in Miami at, the, at that time it makes me wonder like I'll have to go and watch the trailers like how this was promoted but can you imagine because I don't know when did Scarface come out around that time wasn't it uh, yeah it was a bit earlier I think Scarface is like 83 84 yeah so can you imagine like oh great it's another film about the uh, you know cocaine dealing in, in Miami rocking up and expecting something of that level <laughs> motorcycle ninjas uh, this one's um, in Scarface I'm sure there's loads of trauma films around this time um, that you know kind of employ similar tactics although again they're, they're, they're lower quality in a way and, and too silly yeah and again they, they, they like a, know that they're trying to be funny yeah this doesn't this is uh, this and that's what makes it even funnier it's like a tim and eric thing um but obviously tim and eric is a comedy but like it it plays with that idea of you know what people deem is good when they and they put their heart and soul into stuff and as part of the humor yeah. of it is that it's it's supposed to be quite serious it's just absolutely ridiculous um but seen, yeah, we're gonna be, so have you seen troll 2 one of the, no, but this is that's supposed to be a classic cult movie. Uh, yeah, that's, that was like number one on the worst rated films, um, wasn't it, of IMDb. Um, and then they, they made a documentary about that. I think it's called The Best Worst Movie. Okay. So I've, I've seen that and I've seen Troll 2. It was quite a while ago. But um, in the documentary, they speak to the director. Um, and I, I think his wife wrote the script. Right. And it's just completely ludicrous. It's about goblins. and But that was meant to also be a serious horror film, but with a very heartfelt environmental message. Jesus. And this speaks to the director, and he's really annoyed that it's <laughs> not been taken seriously. <laughs> uh, it's great. That makes it all the better. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll be trying to do more films like this anyway. So, um, yeah, do keep watching. Uh, so that's it, I think. Uh, Dan, where can people find you? If you're interested in music, you can go to a Dreadful Discs. Um, that's my Instagram handle. And I think you can look for me there under the same name on the old YouTube. YouTube. 
YouTube. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if you want to keep up to date with stuff, you can follow us on Instagram at A New Winter, Twitter at A New Winter. Um, if you want to become a patron, you can do. If you go to patreon.com slash A New Winter. And uh, I've got a bit of a, um, uh, a nice surprise in that uh, I'll be doing an episode on Dark Souls 2 with uh, fellow podcaster Gary Butterfield, who does um, Bonfireside Chat and Watch Out for Fireballs. He's part of DuckFeed.tv, and he's one of the uh, you know, more well-known Dark Souls um, fanboys uh, out there who also runs a popular, probably the most popular Dark Souls podcast. Um, so I'm really excited to kind of get into the nitty-gritty a bit with uh, Dark Souls 2 with him. Um Dan, I've, mm. uh, do you want to play Dark Souls sometime? Um, yeah, of course. I don't know what it is, but <laughs> <laughs> it sounds smashing. Oh, it's smashing, all right. Um, yeah, so thanks, everyone, for listening, and see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Black belts in Taekwondo and they're pretty bad. I don't want you to mess it up by going out with a secondary musician like that John character. They came in here to play goddamn songs for kids! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 